Welcome to the Walk in Truth weekend program. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance from Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people. Remember, you can learn more about Pastor Michael, the church, how to donate, how to contact us, and the podcast available on your favorite podcast app when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael Lance in part two of his message in Revelation 17, The Judgment of the Great Harlot. Have you ever had your heart broken? Have you ever had someone that you trusted defect from you, cheat on you? It's pretty devastating. It happens all the time. Do you know that God knows how that feels? Because he had given everything to this people group. He had let them out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and they cheated on him. And, you know, the New Testament says it's possible for us to grieve the Holy Spirit. That's Ephesians 4. I think it's verse 29. That means we can make him sad. We can, in essence, break God's heart. The only way you can have a broken heart is if you care. Amen? If I didn't care, it wouldn't break my heart. But there's things that, you know, we look at, whether it be news reports, people that we love going through tough times, or our own personal struggles or journey. It means that we care if we have a broken heart. God cares. In Hosea 4, 12 and 13, and you know the prophet was told to go and marry a woman that would cheat on him, perhaps even a prostitute. He said, my people, 4, 12 and 13 of Hosea, consult their wooden idol. Their diviner's wand informs them, for a spirit of harlotry has led them astray. They have played the harlot, departing from their God. They offer sacrifices on the tops of the mountains. They burn incense on the hills under oak, poplar, terebinth, because their shade is pleasant. Therefore, your daughters play the harlot and your brides commit adultery. And this is the the picture that God paints of wayward Israel. And the old hymn writer captured it because we all know that it's possible for all of us to fall. In fact, we read 1 Corinthians 10 on Sunday where it says, take heed, be careful, lest you fall. And the hymn writer says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. It's a struggle. And we struggle with the world system and we struggle with, you know, the carrots that get dangled in front of us. We struggle with the system that, you know, sometimes dresses up and looks pretty and offers, you know, what it offers to the passersby. In Isaiah 121, as God's dealing with Judah and Jerusalem, Isaiah 121, he says, how the faithful city has become a harlot. She who was full of justice, righteousness once lodged in her, but now murderers. In the book of Nahum, God is addressing the city of Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. We'll talk about Assyria in a moment. Nineveh was the place that Jonah was supposed to go. And Jonah, upon hearing God's directive, said, oh, no, I won't go. And he bought a ticket, took a ship, headed out, and God said, oh, yes, you will go. (laughs) And Jonah said, oh, no, I ain't going. And God said, well, I do control the weather, so if you want to stay on the boat, we're going to have a storm. (laughs) 
So do you remember he was sleeping and they had to wake him up? Hey, cry out to your God. We're dying here. <laughs> and they, they drew lots and the lot fell to Jonah. And they were like, all right, give us your story, bro. <laughs> Where are you from? What are you doing? I'm a Hebrew running from the living God. <laughs> oh, thanks for your honesty, brother. <laughs> Well, they tried to fight the storm, but you know what happened. They had to throw him overboard, and custom-made fish picked up Jonah at the intersection of sea and wave downtown. And there he was. And just as Jonah was in the belly of the great sea monster three days and three nights, so the Son of Man must be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. He was the regurgitated prophet. First converts in his ministry were surfers. No, I'm, I don't really know that. <laughs> but it sounded pretty good because he had to end up at the beach, right? Anyway, 17. <laughs> By the way, uh, go down to verse 16 of chapter 17. We get an explanation. Uh, let's see, 15. He said to me, the waters which you saw, take verse 15 with verse 1, where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So she represents many peoples. Look at the verse. Peoples, plural, multitudes, nations, plural, tongues. Uh, in Revelation 7, we saw people from every tribe, tongue, nation praising the Lord. And it was a, a broad, uh, worldwide situation. Well, here, this woman, whoever she may be, and she's a bit of a mystery, as we're going to find out, she represents the world, peoples, multitudes, 15, nations, and tongues. She doesn't just seem to be one entity. She seems to be a bit of a composite of perhaps history past, which we'll look at in a second. This woman with whom, 17.2, the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality. And those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. So here's the woman. She's there on many waters. She, we can see uh, she's a great harlot. We're going to see her judgment. And what she does with the kings or the rulers of the earth is they commit acts of immorality with her. They drink the wine of her immorality. She, she spreads her wares. She, she distributes her product all over the place. She, she's a marketer. She gets other people on board with what she's selling. In Jeremiah 51.7, it says of Babylon, Babylon has been a golden cup in the hand of the Lord, intoxicating all the earth. The nations have drunk of her wine. Therefore, the nations are going mad. Jeremiah 51, 7. Doesn't it seem like sometimes the world has gone mad? I mean, every day, even when I don't turn on the news, somebody else tells me about the latest news report, and I just am fearful that we're becoming numb. It just seems to me that the world is going mad. And he carried me away, verse 3, in the, in, the, in the spirit, into a wilderness. That's kind of a, a lonesome, solitary place. 
And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names. And this had to be another strange thing that John saw, but he saw many of them. Having seven heads, the heads appear to represent kingdoms and ten horns, which seem to represent kings or power or leadership. So he's in the wilderness now, taken in the spirit by the spirit. He sees a woman. She's on this scarlet beast now, not, uh, not a, a really familiar beast to John. And it's, the beast is full of blasphemous names, seven heads, ten horns. Again, a, a strange sight. She is born by the beast. She rides the beast. A woman rides the beast. Uh, Revelation 13, go back for a second to verse 1. Revelation 13, 1. He stood on the seashore, that is the dragon. 13, 1. He, that's the devil, stood on the sand of the seashore. I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns. Again, representative probably of kings here. And seven heads, probably representative kingdoms. And on his horns were ten diadems, royal crowns, and on his heads were blasphemous names. So you can see the link between this image in Revelation 13.1 and what we see in Revelation 17. It's the same idea. It's some sort of world system that is anti-God. And behind the system, called up out of the sea, which usually represents the people's Perhaps it could be the Mediterranean Sea, but probably just represents the peoples of the world. Behind this woman is the devil. He's the power source behind her. The woman in Revelation 17, 4, was clothed in purple and scarlet. If I asked you what the colors of purple and scarlet represent, what would you say? Probably royalty, right? So she seems to be royalty in some way. Although scarlet also represents sin in the Bible, though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow, Isaiah 1.18. She's adorned with gold, middle of four of chapter 17. She has precious stones and pearls, well-dressed, having in her hand a gold cup. We saw that in Jeremiah 51.7. The gold cup is full of what? It's full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. So she has the, the great clothing. She She's... She's dressed well. She seems to be wealthy. She's got this golden cup. But if you peered inside the cup, what you would see is stuff that's gross, stuff that's immoral. In fact, stuff that would be considered abominable. The word abomination is used many, many times in the Bible, and it's usually directly associated from God's perspective with idolatry. What God finds abominable is people who worship idols and practice the activities that go with that. And he calls that an abomination. So she's got this gold cup in her hand, but the gold cup, the the contents of the cup corrupt. And I'd want to write in my notes, if I were taking notes, I've already taken them, so maybe you should write in your notes. Do not drink it. Don't drink from her cup, but her cup looks good. Do you remember the Indiana Jones third movie when it's the, I know, I, I, these are always my fallback illustrations, I know. But look, I'm from that generation. Anyway, so they're, they're making the search for, what is it? The, uh, 
Holy Grail. And that knight's been there for about a thousand years. <laughs> Can't even swing the sword, right? But the one terrible guy, the evil guy in the movie, he wants to find the Holy Grail because it's the cup of the fountain of youth. You've been listening to the Walk in Truth Weekend Program. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from Scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Do not drink it. Don't drink from her cup, but her cup looks good. Do you remember the Indiana Jones third movie when it's the... I know, these are always my fallback illustrations, I know. But look, I'm from that generation. Anyway, so they're, they're making the search for, what is it? The uh, Holy Grail. And that knight's been there for about a thousand years. <laughs> Can't even swing the sword, right? But the one terrible guy, the evil guy in the movie, he wants to find the Holy Grail because it's the cup of the fountain of youth. And so he finds the beautiful gold-looking cup, and he grabs it, and the knight's just watching. He dips it in the water. No time like the present. Go, 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 go. couple of tingles. What's happening to me? And in another glorious moment of cinematic movie-making, he begins to age and turn into an old man. Ah! Skeleton and just blows apart. And then the knight says, he chose poorly. (laughs) Now, Indiana Jones' dad is dying, so he figures he better get the liquid to him, right? So what kind of cup does he pick? Well, it's a cup that looks, doesn't look like very ornate, right? It's the cup of a carpenter. Of course, Indiana Jones is always right, so <laughs> it's the right cup. The woman, she's got a gold cup, man. How many people in our world, and, and you and I included, took the bait of that cup? Oh, look, it's dressed nice and gold cup. And you take a drink only to find what is unclean, impure, abominable. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul's talking to the Corinthian church, and he says, look, you have to be careful. This is around verses 20 and 21 of 1 Corinthians 10. 
He said, I don't want you to drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. What was the Corinthian church doing? They're trying to live in both worlds. They were going back to some of their idolatrous ways, which was very prevalent in Corinth. You could go to parties put on by certain friends of yours, and they had they would have you know some very lewd, abominable practices, and people were trying to live in both worlds. I know that doesn't happen today. Really? <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> That's called irony, <laughs> right? We have that pull. We, we drink the cup of the Lord, but then there's another cup offered to us, and we say, oh, well, sometimes with that other cup, we say, ah, have you made this declaration before? I will never drink from that cup again. <laughs> and then next weekend, sure. you found yourself in line waiting to get another one of those cups. And you may be asking tonight, does that cycle ever end? It does. It does. When you decide that you want to follow Christ fully and you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Amen. And upon her forehead, verse 5, a name was written, a mystery. So this, she doesn't have the name of God on her forehead like the 144,000. She has a mystery name, but here's what it says. Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and the of the abominations of the earth. So John looks a little closer, and on her forehead, she's got a, she's known as Mystery Babylon. The fact that it says a mystery, I think, means it's not going to be easy to interpret this. She's mysterious, but she's connected to Babylon. Now, how far back does Babylon go? All the way to Genesis chapter 10. There was this area called Babylon, and the ruler of Babylon was a man named Nimrod. No, I don't know what his parents were thinking. <laughs> but that was a popular saying if you were out of line in the 70s and 80s. That's what they would call you. What are you, a Nimrod? <laughs> now, just so you know the definition of the word, it actually means a rebel. Nimrod means rebellion. And he was called a mighty hunter in Genesis 10, and some people believe he was a hunter of souls. And in 10 and 11 of Genesis, mankind is told to spread out on the earth, but instead they build a ziggurat. They build the Tower of Babel. This is where Babylon comes from. And God confuses their language there. And on the ziggurat is the origin of a lot of occult uh, signs and the signs of the zodiac. And they even trace what's called the mother-child cult religions all the way back to Babel in Genesis chapter 10 with uh, a woman named Samaramis. I don't have time to get into it tonight, but I'll just tell you that thread of Babylonianism, as it's known, weaves its way all the way through the, the Bible, all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. So whatever Babylon is, it is an anti-God system. And remember, those people, they built a ziggurat to reach up to the heavens. They were against God. It was an anti-God move. God said, I want you to spread out, but they all gathered together. And it was an anti-God system from the beginning. It was in rebellion. And Nimrod was a hunter of souls. She, this harlot, is the mother of harlots. 
If you're a mother and you have offspring, you can see what she does. She's giving birth to the system everywhere. By the way, the mother-son cult that comes from this uh, ancient story, which is really a myth, runs all the way through multiple countries under multiple names, including India, Egypt, with all these different names, but all the same image. It's a mother with a little baby with a a cultic kind of background to it. It's It's not Mary with Jesus. It's something else. And the woman, verse 6, was drunk with what? The blood of the saints. And with the blood of the witnesses, saints is hagias. It's the typical word used for Christians in the New Testament. And witnesses is martus, where we get the word martyr. The saints and the martyrs of Jesus, is it two different people groups? I don't know. It could be Old Testament saints and New Testament witnesses. It could be saying the same thing about the group. But they are saints and martyrs or witnesses of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered greatly. She's drunk with what? The blood of the church. She's an anti-God system. She's responsible for the martyrdom and persecution of God's people throughout time. She's intoxicated with their blood. It seems she can't get enough. You've been listening to Pastor Michael Lance on Walk in Truth. This has been part two of his message in Revelation 17, The Judgment of the Great Harlot. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment, but I'd like to remind you that Walk in Truth is a program mostly supported by some of our church members. We are grateful for their support, but this is not something they can carry on their own. There is a lot that goes into the production of this program, Paying for airtime is a large portion. Then there's studio time, editing, our website, and of course, the small staff we have. Walk in Truth has a pretty big budget, and we would love to make our way to be financially supported by our listeners. To be 100% financially supported for a budget year, we need $168,400. We do need your help to get there, but for now, we're trying to raise funds for $30,000. If you're looking for a ministry to support, please consider Walk in Truth. You can visit walkintruth.com to learn how to donate online or by mail. That's walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, my friend, I just wanted to take a moment to tell you how grateful I am on behalf of the staff of Walk in Truth that you are listening, partnering with us, praying for us, and benefiting from this particular ministry. It's a great honor for us to do it. And I want to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. You know, As you walk with the Lord, remember that it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. And each day has battles and victories. But we want to encourage you to keep getting a little bit closer every day. Keep taking, if you will, baby steps toward the Lord. Because as you move a little bit closer every day, you're going to get to know him better. You're going to be more useful to the master. Just keep growing little by little. That's the encouragement As we think about life, as we think about the joys of life and the challenges of life, keep focusing on the Lord. And one of the great ways that you can do that is make sure you're in fellowship. You know, a good portion of our listening audience, we understand, is not in a church. And some of you can't be because you may not be able to get there. But for those of you who can be, make sure you get into a healthy Bible teaching church this Sunday. If you've been away for a while, 
get back and uh, the Lord will bless you and uh, he will encourage your walk and you'll be an encouragement to others. Hey, on that note, I'd love to invite you today to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. We have two services, one at 9 and one at 11.15 a.m. In the city of Corona, it's called Living Truth. I serve there as senior pastor. It's a great church right off the 91 freeway and Lincoln Avenue. Why don't you come this morning? You listened to the program this morning. We'd love for you to join us in fellowship, especially if you don't have a home church. If you haven't been plugged in somewhere, if it's been a while since you've been to church, why don't you come today? Make the decision now. I would love to meet you. We're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians 15, looking at the nature of the resurrection body. And we'd love to have you in corporate worship to meet the body here. I'd love to meet you and get you encouraged and blessed for your Sunday morning. It's the Lord's Day. We'd love for you to visit us. Check it out when you go to the Walk in Truth site, walkintruth.com, click on the Visit tab, or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store, the red logo with the pillars. You'll get all information, directions, and all that's going on this morning. We'll see you then. Now tune in again on Monday to hear part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Revelation 17 about the judgment of the great harlot. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. In addition to our faithful listeners and financial partners, this program is made possible by our staff, Executive Administrative Pastor Mike Rizzi, Audio and Video Technician Nathan Lance, Program Director Rob Newton, Graphic Arts Director Brenda Lance, Walk in Truth Store Admin Larry Bondi, financial admin Claudia Rizzi, and senior pastor Michael Lance. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people.